Can I just say, Joseph needs to stop wearing cloaks. Just want to say that because they seem to get him in trouble. Um, Thanks for that insight, Mary. That's going to go down, you know. Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries. And we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Scattered. Uh, It's just Jill and Julia and me this week. So I'm sorry, we we, we won't probably have as many intelligently thought out answers, but, you know, we'll try our best. (laughs) We'll miss you, Hermione. So we're looking at Genesis 39 this week and you might think, oh, they've missed a chapter. And we have because we're looking at the story of Joseph and there isn't a lot about Joseph in chapter 38 I mean it's about Judah building his own family it's a bit of a um, an interesting chapter if you want to have a read of it basically Judah's two sons die and he doesn't treat his daughter-in-law Tamar uh, well at all and she ends up deceiving him and his kind of bad treatment and his wrongdoing is revealed it's quite a shameful chapter um But yeah, there's a couple of things to note. I mean, this is Tamar, who gives birth to Perez, whose son is Boaz. Um, He's in Jesus's family line. This is part of Jesus's genealogy, which again shows that God is at work in messy situations. Um, The other thing to note is just the corrupting influence of uh, Canaan here. Um, Judah married a Canaanite. Um, their practices of cult prostitution seem to have drawn Judah in. Um, we see him engaging in that in this chapter. Um, so there's this tension here because we know that Joseph is going off to Egypt um, where he's going to face similar temptations from a very different culture. Um, is Joseph going to withstand uh, temptation or is he going to give in like his brother? I guess it's quite revealing, isn't it, again, of some of the characters in Joseph's family. So let's find out and see what happens in chapter 39. Could one of you two give us a summary of what happens in this chapter? Yeah, sure. So Joseph was sold to an officer of Pharaoh and God blessed him. So he was successful and um, did really well and was given the office of overseer. And then Potiphar's wife, she noticed Joseph and wanted him for herself. Um, But he refused her many, many times. But one day she caught him off guard and grabbed him by his garment so so much so that he had to leave his garment with her to flee and then she placed the blame on him so he ended up in prison but while he was in prison god blessed him and he was also given lots of responsibilities there Mm. yeah so there's quite a few peaks and troughs in this chapter isn't there? Let, let's talk about Joseph's situation. I mean, he's just been dragged to this foreign country. How do you think he's feeling? What's what's going on, really, like behind the scenes? What do you guys make of it? Something I read was saying it just really helped me um, empathise with him that he probably wouldn't speak Egyptian. So, you know, he's in a different country where he is probably the first thing that happens to him is he's in a slave market. And so there's people bidding for him, like mocking him. Um, all in a language he doesn't understand. I I just think it would be so bewildering, wouldn't it? And difficult to understand what's going on. And then he ends up in Potiphar's house. And it just really struck me how quickly 
Potiphar appreciates him and sees that he's a good worker and that he's um, worth promoting. And I think, is he, is he in Potiphar's house about 11 years? Is that right? I think he was 17 when he went. And I think he's 28 at the end of that time, because I think two years later, he goes into Pharaoh's household, doesn't he, after being in prison again? Um, I think that's the rough time scale. So it's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, but I guess, it. yeah, it just struck me what an impression he made in that time and how much Potiphar trusted him. And, yeah, I guess, naturally speaking, he would have just been bitter and, you know, so angry and resentful about what's happened to him. And yet, somehow, he doesn't... Those aren't the emotions that dominate him, are they? And he's able to work hard, apply himself and gain Potiphar's trust. And... Yeah, I, I just found that remarkable. I don't know if you ladies also saw in verse three that like Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph and blessing his work um, like he needed to depend on God in that situation. And it was evident to his his boss. Mm. What do you think? Like, what do you make of that phrase? Because that phrase, the Lord was with Joseph or yeah God being with Joseph is mentioned four times in this chapter what do you think it actually means for him well I guess God's presence changed him didn't it and changed his it didn't change his I guess so often we we imagine don't we if God's with us life will go well and we see really clearly in this chapter that that isn't the case like he's a slave he then is wrongly accused and sent to prison so I guess what it doesn't mean is that his circumstances are smooth, but yet even in the in in hard circumstances, he still knew God's peace and God's um, presence, which I guess enabled sustained him, didn't it, and helped him not to become bitter and angry and revengeful. So I, we we don't know, do we? It doesn't say, but I imagine that he was. Um, reminding himself that God could be trusted and that he knew God's presence with him, changing his heart and enabling him to trust. And I think just as, you know, we have the Bible to remind us of God's faithfulness and that God's in control, that um, I'm guessing that Joseph also knew of his great-grandfather Abraham and God's faithfulness to him. And so he had the small amount of God's word that he had and from his dreams that we mentioned last week that he could have that stored up, you know, to help encourage him when things were difficult. Yeah, and I love as well, like the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. You know, this is a this is an outsider of, of God's chosen mm. people. And yet through Joseph, this outsider and his family's household is being blessed. And that's really what God wants isn't it for his people like right back to Abraham he said through you all the the nations of the earth will be blessed and it's just a little picture of that isn't it what it's meant to be like when you in your life are loving and serving and knowing God then God will bless others through you Um, and we see that in Joseph here don't we he's he's I don't know what he's doing like maybe the way that he works maybe the way that he interacts with people his faithfulness his trustworthiness people see God through that um I think and I think that's what it's meant to be in our lives um which is yeah I found quite challenging let's talk a bit more about Joseph's character um 
because we see a lot more of it in this chapter. What did you see that was new, that was encouraging to you guys? I guess the first half of the chapter, you just see that he's not work shy, is he? And he's prepared to apply himself. And, you know, whatever circumstance he finds himself in, he works hard. So he's, you know, he was his dad's favourite, wasn't he, back in Canaan? And here, I guess you see another reason why that might have been, because he's quickly becomes Potiphar's chosen one, doesn't he? And the the favourite of Potiphar, but not because of who his mother was, but because he just works so hard and applies himself. And yeah, it, I guess it helped me think wherever God puts us, that's a place where we can be faithful, isn't it? And whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, we don't need to wait for the perfect circumstance before God can use us and bless us. He wants to do that, doesn't he? Wherever we are and whether you're a slave or whether you're the favourite son, actually God's favour rested on Joseph, didn't it? And it, um, mm. But yeah, I just think he worked hard and applied himself well, didn't he, to whatever task Potiphar gave him. And so he moved up the ranks. And also when he, you can see really clearly here when he's faced with temptation that um, he knows that actually sin is, he calls sin what it is, that it's wicked and um yeah that god's judgments actually matter quite deeply to him he's just aware that who who really is in control is god rather than his boss and yeah he's willing to um face the consequences of yeah obeying god yeah i found that interesting because he says when he's tempted by potiphar's wife in verses 8 to 9 he says doesn't he this would be basically hurt my master um but then how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God so it's like that two-natured aspect of sin isn't it you get you, you hurt somebody but ultimately you're you're sinning against God he really understands that doesn't he there's no one else you know when she goes on and on and on trying to get him to come to bed with her there's no one else there that time where she actually gets his cloak can I just say Joseph needs to stop wearing cloaks. Just want to say that because they seem to get him in trouble. Um, Thanks for that insight, Mary. That's, that's, that's going to go down, you know. Don't wear a coat. <laughs> don't, wear, don't wear clothes that can be taken off you. Um, that, that sounds wrong out of context. Anyway, yeah, I just feel like in that moment where she, you know, no one else is in the house. He totally could have got away with it, but he knows God is there. God is watching me and I love him and I want to honour him. He's clear, isn't he, about what's right and wrong and he doesn't let that be become muddied or swayed by her constant um, temptation. And, yeah, I was really struck by that. I just think it's it's hard sometimes, isn't it, to stand for a view that we know the Bible holds when our whole culture is trying to um, think differently. And it, I just think it's really hard to keep focused on the Bible's truth rather than our culture or our society's truth. But it, he, yeah, he holds it really strongly, doesn't he? God's view is more important than um, mm. anybody, like anybody else's. And mm. just on a side note, I was reflecting on Potiphar's wife because what Helen said last week was helpful when she said, when we look at these stories, we tend to want to see ourselves in 
the good characters. So I was challenged to ask myself, how do I see myself in Potiphar's wife? Like, is she so different to me? Um, and I read this uh, thing that was talking about how Potiphar's wife probably may have even come from another land herself. Uh, her husband was a very busy and important man out of the house a lot of the time. Um, and she had this new good looking guy uh, in her house every day. I feel like in my heart, when I read this story, I was quite hard on her. But actually, I think we we should have compassion on her. She must have been very lonely. <laughs> um, it wasn't right what she did. But I think it's so easy for us to say, wasn't she an awful person? Especially after what she did after he ran away. But yeah, I feel like we should be gracious towards people like that because but for the grace of god are we yeah but it, and it but it's a it is a really good lesson isn't it that what juliet said earlier that joseph isn't afraid to call sin sin and actually say mm. this would be a great wickedness so and actually that's kind to her isn't it to point that out to her that actually it would be awful to betray her husband again last week i just think it's really struck me how good joseph is at speaking the truth about sin and not um yeah, watering it down. I also read that the the crime that he committed would normally lead to death. And instead of that, he was more lenient and he said that Joseph could go to prison. So I wonder if, you know, in, in Potiphar's heart, he also knew um, what was going on, but didn't want to shame his wife at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it says he was angry. You know, he... Potiphar's response was anger, and so he then throws Joseph out and into prison. But, yeah, it, it's hard to know, isn't it, what was going on and whether he was completely convinced by his wife's narrative. Mm. And just thinking about Joseph's character, do we, we were talking a bit last week about Joseph being a, a type of Christ. Do we see a bit more of that this week? Yeah, when you were saying, Mary, about how um, we see ourselves in different characters in the story, I guess if we're seeing Joseph as Jesus, then what we talked about earlier about how um, the blessing of God came through Joseph to Potiphar, I was like, actually, we're like Potiphar in so many ways, aren't we? Because the blessing of God comes to us, even though we don't deserve it, through Jesus. And I just thought, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it, of we receive all the blessings of Jesus and of being God's children through what Jesus did and not because of anything we do. And that sort of picture of Potiphar, the blessing of God flowed so freely into Potiphar's house through Joseph is a picture, isn't it, of how that happens to us when we trust Jesus. Yeah, I noticed also that, you know, that Joseph was falsely and unjustly accused and um, just as Christ was. and Joseph eventually will save not just the Israelites, but the Egyptians as well, just as Jesus will, through his death, uh, saves not just Israelites, but <laughs> everyone who puts their trust in him. I read something which I loved, which was basically saying, you know, Joseph stood firm against temptation, but then he had to run away from her, didn't he? But actually, in the wilderness, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, it was the devil that in the end had to flee from Jesus because Jesus was so strong, strong stood, stood so strongly against the devil's lies and temptation. 
And I was like, mm. oh, isn't it great that we have a savior who sends the devil fleeing rather than having to run away from the devil? I, like, I mm. love that. It's helpful though, isn't it? Just thinking about temptation because the Bible talks about fleeing from temptation. And I think sometimes for us to face the temptation is just too hard and too dangerous. And you do, you do need to flee. And, you know, what does that look like in our life? What does that, does that mean removing something completely? Um, Does that mean just having to really talk to, talk to a friend about it and opening up about it? Uh, whatever that thing is, I think fleeing is an active thing, isn't it? Sometimes we can resist temptation passively day by day by day, but sometimes we need to just run from it. Um, and I find that, mm. you know, a helpful reminder, um, even though for Joseph, that didn't solve anything. Um, but I guess it's interesting that that's what he did, isn't it? Because it says he tried to avoid, he avoided her and he tried to not be in the house when she was there. So as much mm. as he could, he did run away from her, didn't he? Mm. But he was wearing a cloak. There was the problem. <laughs> Mary, Mary insightful interpretation of Genesis chapter 39. Avoid cloaks. Don't don't wear cloaks. <laughs> Noted. Um, that wasn't in my yeah. commentary. I, I missed that, Mary. Oh, well, you know, these, these theologians, they need to come and talk to me. Um <laughs> So he said, like we talked about, he's he's in Potiphar's house 11 years, right? And then at the end of that time where probably Joseph thought, wow, things are going really well. God is blessing me. And then everything's come crashing down, right? And he's put in prison. I mean, I doubt it was a very nice place to be. It's all taking a really long time, isn't it? We probably, like the reader, we're like, oh, things are looking up. We know that, you know, great things are going to happen with Joseph. It's all come crashing down why is it all taking so long like what can we learn about how god redeems through suffering from this story i guess god's timings and our timings very rarely coincide do they and i guess this is a really helpful reminder of that that we we know what's going to happen don't we and we know what a beautiful thing god's going to do but actually the timing is long and needs to be for reasons that joseph doesn't fully understand but um, yeah, I, I was just really struck again here when he gets into prison that, you know, the Lord's with him and shows him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Yeah, what, like once again, Joseph here chooses, doesn't he, to draw near to the Lord and to keep his heart soft and tender rather than to give in to, again feeling betrayed by Potiphar Potiphar you know what I'm like you know how loyal and faithful I am how could you do this to me but that those aren't the voices that he allows to dominate his heart are they he he chooses to trust that the Lord's faithful and that the Lord's love will sustain him and that has been such a challenge to me in this chapter what when when life's hard or the circumstances don't go the way I choose what voice do I allow to penetrate my heart and affect how I feel and I just think that's mm. through all these changes time and again Joseph chooses to trust the Lord is with him and is taking care of him that's such a rebuke to my heart God uses sufferings doesn't he in our lives to build in us different things like where is it that God says that in Hebrews 12 I think he disciplines the ones that he loves and it seems 
I, I found it interesting how Joseph's been given dreams from God and he's been given so many blessings from his father and then he sort of gets humbled doesn't he and then here in Potiphar's house he gets given a title as overseer and does really well and then he gets humbled again um I just wonder if God's preparing him for the the title of overseer of Egypt <laughs> you know that big position that he's preparing Joseph's heart for that and teaching him how to depend on God for everything and that God is in charge of everything and God is faithful to his promises he's like teaching that through really hard situations he? yeah that's really interesting I wonder whether there's lessons that Joseph could only learn being shackled in a cell in prison or you know being a slave for somebody or having to learn a new language uh, without language lessons just kind of having to learn it from other people and I wonder yeah all, all these things that he was exposed to God God must have had purposes in those and it's yeah I find it challenging we don't see in this do we the the slow slog of the 11 years the step by step like choosing to be faithful that Joseph had to do and the step by step faithfulness of God I guess God showing him in different ways that he was with him Mm -hmm. we kind of hope don't we that God's just going to yoik us out of situations and whisk us away into great things but actually it's the slow plod by plod step by step that God's invested in isn't it to bring beautiful things out of suffering like I so often when I'm in suffering yeah like you were saying Jill like I want a different time scale but God is God is invested in each step of that suffering each morning that you wake up after something terrible has happened he he's in that he's not he's not in the business usually of whisking you away from that he he wants you to slowly grow like a beautiful tree or whatever the other thing that I, I can relate to in Joseph is that um, he, it'd be very easy for him to depend on his own abilities and skills. You know, we see, don't we? <laughs> I can't relate to this. He's very beautiful. He's um, He's got all the world's got to offer in lots of ways. He's bright. He's um, attractive. He's quick to learn. And it would be really easy for him to depend on those things, wouldn't it? If it wasn't for the Lord humbling him um as a slave and then humbling him again in prison unjustly and I I guess I can see the Lord really wanting him to see that the blessings that he's got are from the Lord's hand and that the favor he receives is from God's hand and not his own abilities so I guess as we look in you can see what a kindness of the Lord that is isn't it to wean him off dependence on his own gifts and skills and abilities and help him to see that it's actually the Lord who brings favour and blessing. Mm. We were talking at the beginning about peaks, the peaks and troughs of this story, and we're kind of left, aren't we, on the, it's, it's peaked and then it's troughed, and it feels like we're slightly on the up again now, and it would be interesting to look at um, where that goes next week. It seems to be a kind of note of hope. Um, did you guys have any other kind of take-homes from this passage, things that encouraged you or challenged you? I was just really struck that Joseph knew God's presence with him 
And we have so much that comes after Joseph that we can hold on to, that we can know God with us in the person of Jesus. And then God with us through the Holy Spirit, just in awe of yeah, how much faith that should give us and that God is faithful to his promises and that when we are having struggles or are in a difficult place that we can look to so many promises knowing that God is faithful. You know, he might not necessarily give us what we want in this life, but we have the promise God has got prepared for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Yeah, we have so much to look forward to um, and so many promises that we can hold on to now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's really great and really encouraging. Great. So let's let's wrap it up there. We'll be looking at chapter 40 next week. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Thanks for joining me, guys. And thanks for joining us. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.